Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. We are continuing our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So we were busy with the letter to the Ephesians. Okay, and we are going to look at how the Ephesian church got started this morning. What Paul shares in the letter to the Ephesians are truths that stand out through the ages. What he wrote back then is true then, and it is still true today. Amen? And we can still learn from it. Okay? Amen. It's still true today, and God certainly still speaks to us through these verses. Okay? When we have relationship with God, and when we have His Holy Spirit, when we spend time in His Word today, He will speak to us through these verses in Ephesians. But it is also important to remember that it was written to a specific people at a specific time. Okay? A specific group of people. In a specific situation. Okay? I think it is beneficial for us to take this original account, take into account the original situation um, when we study this letter of that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Okay? It's good to see this, see this background, where it all got started. On Paul's second missionary journey, that is, 52 years after Jesus was walking on the earth. His second missionary, uh, Paul's second missionary journey. 52 years after Jesus, he visited the city of Ephesus. After leaving the city of Corinth. Okay. Now, uh, he wrote letters to the Corinthians as well. Okay. He was leaving Corinth. And he went to Ephesus and he planted the church there. We can actually read about the time when the Ephesian church got started in Acts, in our Bibles. Okay? So we go to Acts 18. Acts 18. That is Handelen 18. Handelen 18, verse 18. Acts 18, verse 18. These letters that Paul wrote wasn't just dreamed up and he decided one day to go sit down and write a nice write a nice story. It was a letter that was written to a church, a church much like us. Okay? So in Acts 18, verse 18, we read where the church got started. It says in Acts 18, verse 18, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul stayed in Corinth. For some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Censuria. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce all of these difficult old, old names, but I think that's Censuria or something like that. And there he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, uh, where Paul left the others behind. 
While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail from Ephesus. Verse 22, the next stop was at the port of Caesarea. It sounds very much like the previous name, but Caesarea, Caesarea. <laughs> Uh, from there he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to, okay, and I googled actually how to say this word, Achaia, Achaia or Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, <laughs> asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, So Paul, Priscilla and Aquila... We find them sailing to Ephesus. And there Paul goes to the Jews to share the gospel with them. Okay? I'm just summing up now what we read. Okay? Just to remember. The Jews were open and interested in what Paul was uh, sharing and asked him to stay. But he had to move on to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem. Okay? So Paul leaves Priscilla and Aquila behind in Ephesus. Okay? And this shows us that there must have been some believers in Ephesus, okay? Because Paul left Priscilla and Aquila behind to continue the work and perhaps uh, to lead the church there. Okay? It says that the Jews were interested. They asked him to stay. So it shows that they, they were listening to the gospel they were receiving, okay? And while Paul was gone, uh, a Jew named Apollos arrived in Ephesus. Apollos knew the scriptures, uh, and he knew what John the Baptist taught about Jesus. Okay? Priscilla and Aquila then explains to Apollos the gospel more accurately, because they have been spending a lot of time with Paul. Yeah, they've been traveling with Paul, so they could explain to Apollos uh, more accurately the gospel. Now, what... Now that he had a more accurate understanding, we read about Apollos making powerful arguments, using once again the scriptures to explain that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, so from this record in Acts, we can read how the church in Acts, uh, in, in, in Ephesus, was formed. Uh, verse 27 says that the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged Apollos to go on a mission trip to Achaia. So the church started with Jewish believers, but it quickly grew and a lot of Gentiles became part of the church. 
What's cool to me here is that the church barely got started and they already sent out their first missionary. Huh? Apollos was the first missionary from the church of Ephesus to a different place. And I encourage you to also go and read Acts 19. About two years later, Paul goes back, he did go back to Ephesus and many amazing things happened during that time. I won't read the whole Acts 19 but uh, now, but uh, let's just look at verses 8 to 10. Acts 8 verse 19 verse 8 to 10 says, Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly uh, for the next three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. Now the way is what they called Christians back then. Okay, They weren't known as Christians when, uh, when the church started. Okay, They were known as the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. So he is leaving the Jewish synagogue and he takes uh, those who believed with him. And then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Amen. Okay. So once again, Paul went to the Jews this two years later. Um, but some of them rejected the message and Paul went and preached to the Gentiles. Okay? The lecture hall of Tyrannus was a public place or a school uh, where teachers could go and teach. It was open for everyone, both Jews and Gentiles. And everyone heard the word of the Lord. And then, so that is, but you have to go read the whole uh, Acts 19 because there's a lot more that happened there. Um, some of the some of the Gentiles who were making idols, like Stan Bilkis or Mutan, but they got really angry about the gospel and there was a whole um, a riot and everything. So go read the whole Acts 19. It will give you some very interesting background information about how this church in Ephesus got started. Okay, but then 10 years later, uh, according to uh, historians, um, 10 years later, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. Okay, he wrote this letter that we read today. Um, it makes sense to me why Paul made it so clear that the gospel should be preached to both Gentiles and Jews. Because if we look at, at Acts, we see that after he, after he preached to the Jews, the Jews rejected the, gospel, uh, the message of the gospel. He went to the Gentiles. Okay. So, it's just some interesting background information for us. Okay. Um, okay, so now that we have a little more background, we can see even more of the puzzle. A fuller picture, like I said last time. Uh, what's really cool to me is that we could find this background in the Bible itself. The book of Acts was written by Luke, who was actually also a doctor. He was a learned and an intelligent man. And after he wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke about Jesus' life, he was a man that walked with, with, with Jesus. He was the apostle Luke. Eh? Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he was one of his disciples. And after he wrote Luke, he also wrote Acts, the book of Acts. Okay, the Andelinger. 
Um, and it tells us about the life of the early church, how the church got started. <clears throat> and it's just, it's a, it's a historical account. It, it's like, if you go read it in a history book, it's the same as that. It is, many times people read the Bible and they think it's only fairy tales. Eh? Yeah. This is a historical document as well. Mm. It's not just, uh, not just the Bible, not just a religious book. Um, it is a historical book as well. Okay, because this man that walked with Jesus wrote down what he was experiencing. Okay. <clears throat> what God spoke to my heart from this background information is that we should never think that we know it all. Apollos was a good speaker and he knew the scriptures well. You remember what we read? But he did not allow that to make him proud. He was still humble and teachable. And we see the effect of that teachable attitude later when he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. You remember what I said about the scriptures last time? What is the scriptures? It is Genesis to Malachi. Okay. If we want to do the same, if we want to be effective and powerful in ministering the gospel, we need to grow in our ability to use the scriptures, okay? From Genesis to Malachi to explain Jesus and what he accomplished for all people. What do you guys get from this so far? Anyone would like to share what stood out to them so far? What can we learn? See the yeah. Paul went to the Jewish. The Jewish knew the scriptures, and Paul knew the scriptures. But what's the difference? Paul have seen the scriptures with the eyes of Jesus. Mm. The way Jesus explained and understood and shared the word of God, the gospel, through the scriptures. That's it. That's why we need always. To start from Jesus, mm. and go back and see the scriptures, how he explained, and what is relevant today. Amen. Amen. That's good. Yeah. We need to read the scriptures with lenses that is shaped like Jesus. We need to be looking for Jesus. See how how the Old Testament gives us glimpses and previews of Jesus. Very good. Yeah. Anyone else? What stood out to me was that Paul didn't stay in one place. He was stirred up. He constantly took up new challenges, uh, forsook his comfort zone, and yeah. just went, went, went. Amen. Absolutely. Also, the, um, that we must never think that we know it all. We, mm. must, we must really study the scriptures. Amen. Amen. And the moment that Apollos uh, knew the whole gospel, he even more powerfully, like, um, persuaded the, the, the Jews and persuaded the people. Um, so there's a lot to gain out of, out of being humble and being able to be teachable. Eh? Okay, so now let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 15. In the previous two weeks, we looked at the previous verses. Um, 
And now we are in Ephesians 1 verse 15. So Paul, if you can remember, we learned last time that the gospel is for everyone. Okay, it was a big revelation for the Jews that the gospel is not just for them. That is why Paul writes in Ephesians and he writes that and he makes it clear that the gospel is not just for the Jews but for the Gentiles as well. After he says that we are in Ephesians 1 verse 15. Ephesians 1 verse 15 and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says... Um, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people, who are rich and glorious, sorry, those He called, His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that Christ that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Okay, so here Paul prays for the Ephesian church. Okay, this is one of two prayers that he prays for the Ephesian church. The other prayer that he prays for the Ephesians is in Ephesians 3. Let me just check the verse. Ephesians 3. Verse 14 is, is another prayer that he prays for the Ephesian church and we will look at that uh, in a different message. But today we are going to look at this prayer that he prays for them. Okay. So the first thing we see is that the church in Ephesus was doing quite well. Paul says that he heard of their strong faith in Jesus and their love for God's people everywhere. Faith and love go together. True faith will lead to an overflow of love. This makes me think of what Jesus said in John 13 verse 35. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. Okay. Paul knew that the church had strong faith because he heard of the evidence of that faith. The evidence of that faith was that they loved each other. Okay. He heard of the deeds that they do for each other, how they love each other as a family. Okay, and then, then he knew, because of this, that they had great faith. Okay, how do you grow in faith? 
by first receiving God's love. That is why Paul prays for them, for them in Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 21 again, like I just said. And there he prays that they would understand how wide, how deep, how, how long, how high Amen. God's love for them is. Okay. It all starts with the love of Jesus. Amen. If we understand God's love for us, our faith will grow. If our faith grows, our love for each other and your love for other people will also grow. Okay. And then 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is also increasing. Okay, so they are, they are hand in hand, faith and love. Okay, he says, because your faith is growing more and more, the love of all of all of you have for one of one another is also increasing. Okay, so as their faith is growing, so is the love they have for each other. Okay, and after saying that, Paul starts with this prayer for them. And in his prayer, he asks God for three things. Okay? He asks God for three things. Number one, he asks God to give them spiritual wisdom and insight so that they might grow in their knowledge of God. We're going to look at the verses again now. And then number two, he prays that they will understand the hope of his calling and his inheritance in the believer. And then number three, he prays that they will understand the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Okay, so those three things is what Paul prays for them. Okay, spiritual wisdom and insight so that they might grow in their knowledge of God. He prays that they will understand the hope of Jesus' calling and Jesus' inheritance in the believer. Okay? And then number three, he prays that they will understand the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us who believe. Those three things is what Paul prays for, for the Ephesians. And then after he prayed uh, for the Ephesians, he explains the position and the authority of Jesus in verses 20 to 23 okay until the end of the chapter um, so let's look at what each of these prayers mean each of these requests that Paul make in prayer to God Ephesians 1 verse 17 let's look at that again Ephesians 1 verse 17 uh, in the New Living Translation that I read it says asking God the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Okay, and then I would also like to read it from the New King James Version. Uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Okay, so the first thing that he prays for and that we can pray for as well is that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, this is not referring to the Holy Spirit or some different spirit from God. Okay, 
The word spirit has a number of different meanings and in this context is talking about uh, something like an attitude. Okay, an attitude. What is it in Afrikaans? A gesintheid, a houden. Paul is praying for our attitudes. Okay, it has to do with a mindset. We find the same word that he uses here. We also find it in Ephesians 4 verse 23. Ephesians 4 verse 23. And there he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so there we get it again. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The truth is that when we believe, when we believe, and when we are born again, we do get the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. No? Mm. And the Holy Spirit knows all wisdom and has all insight and revelation. Because He is God. No? He knows God because He is God. So I think that Paul is praying that God's Spirit in us would help us take on an attitude or a mindset of seeking wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit. Okay? The purpose is to understand God and to grow in our knowledge of Him and our relationship with Him. He is praying that we will be open-minded to receive new revelation about God. That we would be willing to change what we believe when we hear the truth. He prays that God would help us to renew our minds. Simple as that. Okay. He prays for a change in our heart attitude towards truth. Okay. The King James Version uses the word revelation. Um, the spirit of revelation and insight. Or what, let me just check again. Revelation and knowledge of Him. Okay. The meaning of this word in the Greek is to take off the cover. To take off the cover. To reveal something that is already there. You cannot get a revelation of something that doesn't already exist. Okay. Paul wasn't praying for the Lord to give us anything new. It's nothing new. We already have it. He was praying for us to receive a revelation of what is already ours. Okay. Many times we grow up believing certain things about God and about ourselves. Just the other day I was talking to someone and she said, it's someone, um, yeah, I don't want to give too much information. But she said, I know you guys don't believe in this, but I believe that God punishes us. When we do wrong. And this is a person with whom I was sharing the, about the love and the grace of God for two years now already. For two years. But still, after all of those years, she still says that she believes. She knows that we believe differently. She knows that I believe that God is good. But she still says, I still believe that God punishes us when we do wrong. And I was just like, face palm. Like, I didn't know what to say to her. Um, because I've been sewing into her so much. Um, 
but she is holding on to what she has believed all her life. Okay? Sometimes we do exactly the same thing. We hear a truth from the word, but because it is challenging, we don't want to take it. We don't want to believe it. It is comfortable to believe the things we believe all of our lives. It's comfortable. You don't want to, to hear some, something new. You don't want to be challenged to, to believe, to change your beliefs, because that's uncomfortable. No? And maybe it's even scary sometimes to change your beliefs. Okay, but if it's a lie that you are believing, then we have to change it. Amen? Yeah. It takes humility to be willing, like Apollos. Eh? He, he was an intelligent guy. He, he had a revelation of the scriptures. But when Aquila and Priscilla took him aside, he was willing to learn. He was willing to grow. Okay, it takes humility to be willing to acknowledge that what you believe might be wrong and change what you believe. The Jews in Ephesians had to start believing that the gospel was for the Gentiles too. No? And the Gentiles had to start believing that they are no more sinners but holy and faultless to God. Okay. The purpose of this wisdom, this insight and revelation is to grow in our knowledge of Him. And when we hear the word knowledge, what, do we, what should we think about? About relationship. Okay? Relationship. <clears throat> it is so important that we have an accurate understanding of God. Because it affects so much. On a personal level, it affects our relationship with Him. If you want to have a good relationship with God, you're going to have to believe the truth about God. Amen. If you believe that He punishes you when you sin, how is your good relationship with Him going to be? Is it going to be good? No. no, I don't think you're going to have a relationship with God at all if you believe that He punishes you. If you think God is a fault-finding God, if you see Him as a judge that is only looking for your mistakes, there's no relationship. No, there, there won't be any relationship between you and God. Because no one wants to go to a person that is fault-finding. Yeah, we, the devil, the devil comes to come, uh, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes, and I believe our own choices. We reap the fruits of our own choices. Yeah? What you sow, you also reap. Mm. We need to have this clear in our mind. Otherwise, we won't go back comfortable to go to God. Oh God, because we don't like to say we did mistakes or the devil did. God is good. Yeah. So they also believe that the, um, um, the last verse of also, you know, John 10, verse, and that Jesus came, yeah. so that we may have life and have it more mm. abundantly. Mm, very important. He doesn't, he doesn't judge you. He doesn't yeah. They makes it clear. He says, I have come to bring life and life in abundance. And he contrasts himself with the enemy who comes to kill steal and destroy. 
We need to believe that God is the author of life. He is good. Amen. Amen. On a personal level, it affects your relationship with Him. What we believe the will of God is, it affects how we receive from God. If you didn't know that He has already blessed you with everything, how are you going to receive it? You're going to think you still need to beg God for it. Okay? And then it affects how uh, we represent God to other people. And that affects how people, uh, that affects people's desire to know God. That affects whether they get saved or reject God. So it is very important that we have a full and good revelation and understanding of who God is. Because if you see Him as a fault-finding judge, then that is the picture that you are going to carry out to all to people out there. Okay? And let me tell you, no one wants no one wants that. No? Okay. Now the second thing that Paul prays for in verse 18. The second thing that Paul prays for in verse 18. In the New Living Translation it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called. His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. That's a beautiful verse. The the New King James Version says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Okay. Paul now prays and he uses a picture to explain something. This time he talks about light and understanding. Imagine a dark room full of wonderful things. You can imagine whatever you want to, whatever you think is wonderful. Maybe like a table full of food, or imagine what you, what you would like to have in that dark room, okay? But it's full of wonderful things, and when you stand in the room, it is pitch black. Can you enjoy the things in the room if there is no light? No. What needs to happen? We need to turn on the light, no? In order to enjoy what we already have. We need to know what is there. Okay? We need to be able to see. The light will take away. It's once again. A fo- he's using this picture once again. To explain revelation. To reveal something. To take off the cover. Okay? Like I said. We, there's nothing that we still need to get from God. Like we read in the beginning of Ephesians. God has poured out all spiritual blessings. Amen. In the heavenly places. It is now just for us to uncover it. Okay. And that is what Paul prays for us. That we would uncover these blessings. Okay. Uncover what God has already given us. The light will reveal what is already there. The light will take away the cover of darkness. And you will be able to enjoy whatever is in the room. So he is praying again for our minds to be open and to understand. Okay. What does Paul want us to get a revelation of? Here in verse um, 18. 
that we understand the hope of Jesus' calling and His inheritance. Jesus was called to rescue you from the prison of sin and elevate you to the high place of His Father's favor. If we are saved, it is because of His faith and His obedience to His calling. That was Jesus' calling. His calling was to come and save us. Okay? Amen. We have a wonderful inheritance as children of God. But this verse is saying that we are His inheritance. Hallelujah. Wow. Think about that. We are the Lord's most treasured inheritance. We are the reason that Jesus did what He did. Okay? The scripture came to my mind when I thought about this. And Jesus tells a story in Matthew 13 verse 44. Matthew 13 verse 44 to 46. Matthew 13 verse 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Okay, so it's a, he's, a man discovered a treasure in the field. The, treasure, uh, the field isn't his, but if he buys the field, he gets the treasure. Okay, so he, he hides the treasure again and he goes, sells everything that he has. Everything that he has. Okay, in order to buy this field to get the treasure. And then verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, that is uh, a businessman, uh, or someone who sells and buys goods, like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls, so battles, okay? When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Okay, so the man in this story is God. And the field is the world. And the treasure is every true believer in Jesus. The treasure, the pearl, the, the thing of great value is the believer, is you and me. Every born again child of God. Amen. The story that Jesus tells explains that God gave up everything, everything to have you and me. We are His great inheritance. And Jesus is calling was to come and be the payment for that precious treasure. For that precious pearl. Okay. Amen. And we are that treasure. We are God's treasure. Think about that. Amen. You are God's inheritance. You are the inheritance that Jesus wanted to get. And why he came to earth. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was before Jesus, that made him endure the pain, no? The pain and the suffering and the shame of dying on the cross was you and me. That's, that blows my mind. Jesus was thinking of his inheritance as he was sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane. 
as he was being given those 40 lashes, as he was suffering, as he was carrying his cross up that hill, no? as he was hanging on the cross, the joy that was set before Jesus' eyes was you and me. Oh wow, that is, that just shows me the love that Jesus has for me. Huh? Amen. Believe this, guys. Believe it. Jesus endured all of that to have you. To have you, which is His inheritance. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom. 1 Peter 1 verse 18. 1 Peter 1 verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid. This is the part that I want you to, want to highlight to you. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That was the payment for you. Wow. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, He has been revealed for your sake. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. The precious blood of Christ. That is the value that God puts on you. And on me. And on every believer. Amen. That's beautiful. And it is also the price that He paid for each and every person out there. Amen. They don't know it yet. We need to invite them. Show them what God has done for them. Okay. Then number three. The third thing that Paul prays for. Um, is that they will understand the exceeding greatness of His power. Toward us who believe. The exceeding greatness. Not just the greatness. The exceeding greatness of God's incredible power. Uh, different translation says, um, or the New Living Translation actually, it says in verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. What power is that? Huh? Wow. What power can you think of except God's that can raise the dead? You're not supposed to think of any because there is no other power. There is no other power that can raise the dead. Many times when it rains, um, I come from the northern Cape um, and there's heavy thunderstorms like recently someone was actually hit and killed by a, a lightning bolt and the the it's so beautiful to see actually but every time that the thunder struck you see this light and you yeah. hear this mighty thunder that you want to dive under the table but and i always thought like yo that must be how our power that is that is just a glimpse of god's power but did you know that a lightning bolt cannot raise the dead? A lightning bolt cannot raise the dead after three days. 
so that that feeling that I have like wow God is so amazing I've got no idea God has raising from the dead power he is the force of life itself he is life we've got no yeah and that's the thing that he made available God made available this exceeding incredible power he made it available to us, to you and to me, for every believer. This exceeding greatness of God's power is toward us. That means that it is for, for us and for our benefit. Some people get glimpses of God's power, but very few have the revelation that it is for us and at our disposal. It doesn't do us any good to believe that God has power if we don't believe that it will work for us okay the great power of god is effectual it has an effect only for those who believe yeah. you need to believe we must believe in order to receive anything from god the phrase according to means in keeping with in agreement with the point being made is that the power that we believers in Christ now have is the same power the, the same power that God the Father used to raise Christ from the dead. We have that same power available to us. We don't just have a little bit of power from God. We have the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. It is more than enough power more than enough power to accomplish God's will in our lives. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca